you're listening to KSQD Santa Cruz at 90.7 FM. I'm Jacob Sheckman, and we're part of Your Future is Our Business, a Santa Cruz County nonprofit that helps students explore careers by connecting them to adults through programs such as college and career expos, career panels, and other work-based learning activities. You're listening to our show, What to Be, where we interview and highlight the career journeys of inspirational people in Santa Cruz County. If you've ever thought, hmm, how did they get that job? Or what is that job even really like? Then keep on listening. We would like to remind our listeners that the views and opinions expressed in this program do not necessarily represent or reflect those of Natural Bridges Media or Your Future is Our Business. And today we're joined by Michael Aronson. Thanks for being here, Michael. Hi, Jacob. Thanks for having me. All right. Yeah, it's absolutely my pleasure. Uh, Mike is here today to talk to us about his 40-year-long career as a solar energy specialist, the career in which he became locally and almost famously known as Solar Mike. So, all right, tell us, um, I guess, what exactly is a solar energy specialist, and how did you get into that field? Jacob, uh, nowadays, when people think about solar energy, they're mostly focused on thinking about solar electricity, panels that might be on the rooftop or that could be out in a a field or even acres and acres of putting uh, electricity into the grid. Um, When I got started in solar, which was around 1976, Solar energy, in a way, was a much broader field. It was how we were able to bring sunlight into the homes to heat the space, uh, being able to heat your water directly with the sunlight in a solar hot water panel. Um, It was solar cooking, solar food drying, really broad range of solar energy applications. And um, I was able to kind of have a hand in all of that in my self-education and education in becoming a solar energy specialist. And then when solar electricity really took off, where people could start to put their energy back into the grid with solar power, which was around in the late 90s, I focused at that time more on solar electricity because I was finally able to actually make a decent living doing solar work, which for the 20 or so years before that was much more of a struggle. Wow. Okay. And so tell me more about the the very beginning. You said you got into solar energy around 1976, but what... How? What What was your interest in there? I grew up in uh, Flint, Michigan. And Flint's kind of popular these days, or at least better known because of the water crisis they've had there and also the economic problem. But when I grew up in Flint, it was kind of the heyday of the automobile industry and the economy was doing very well. Um, I was a restless student in school. I Well, I was interested in the academics and succeeding in school, I really couldn't sit still. Um, If I had known about self-directed learning when I was younger in elementary or junior high school, I think it would have made a big difference. I became politically active in the 1960s when I was in junior high school. And by the time I hit high school, I was involved in community politics. I was involved in doing uh, leafleting in the community. I went to an alternative high school that had just formed uh, you might call it a free school or kind of a hippie school, although I don't think the parents uh, realized it was going to be like that. But we didn't have grades. We didn't have bells. We called teachers by the first name. And I discovered what I'm calling self-directed learning because I had a lot of opportunity of time on my hands when I was at school to start to pursue things that I was interested in. At the same time, Earth Day 1970, which was the first Earth Day, started. And it was in conjunction with what was really a strong and growing environmental movement. So my uh, junior high school was on lockdown 
that Wednesday. We, it's you're looking at me like surprise. Yeah, the school was on lockdown. lockdown. Well, they had a they they used to chain the door shut to keep the students in school. Oh my god, that's kind of that's what, a that's free what school, public huh? school. And no, this is before I got <laughs> oh, to the free school. Okay. The year before I got there, this is what public school was like in Flint. Um, I had been at the orthodontics appointment. I got to school late. I couldn't get in, and across the street from the school was a big Earth Day festival. And so I kind of went across the street to the park to see what was going on. And it really woke up in me uh, some of the uh, my interest in nature and the environment. And I started to see how political it was. And I was politically active at that time. So things uh, started coming together for me there around the environment. And then in high school, I made a movie about pollution in Flint. And with uh, some of my uh, fellow students, uh, we started showing the movie around town. And it was, you know, it was a controversial thing to be talking about that. What did you title issues. your movie? What was the title of the movie? Yeah. I think it was a movie about called Pollution in Flint, Michigan. Okay. <laughs> Something like that. And it was shot on 8 millimeter, not even Super 8. And we had a soundtrack that we'd link to it. But I was doing a lot of public speaking then and showing this film. And that really uh, helped kind of launch me toward my passions around science and the environment and uh, social issues. Um, so, And then as soon as I could, I left Flint which was, you know, at college age. Okay. And where did you go to college? I went to school in Ohio for a couple of years, and I visited my sister who had moved to Santa Cruz, and I thought, well, I've got to be out here. This place is gorgeous. And so, um, uh, and the academics looked interesting, and they also didn't have grades at UCSC at that time, and that fit in with uh, my experience in high school. And so I came to Santa Cruz and I was, uh, my major was physics and sociology. And at that time people were like, uh, physics and sociology, what do those things have to do with one another? And for me, they was going, going, well, this is what the world's about. This is about technology and society. It's like, how can you not see this connection? And so both my parents, my parents' friends, kind of all the older people, they'd be scratching their head. And I'm going, well, this is a natural thing to combine these two interests. And at UCSC, it seemed a little more inclined to that as well. And so I pursued my physics major, and I also was taking my sociology classes. There was also a course called Science Writing, and it was taught by John Wilkes, and it was uh, becoming a premier science writing uh, program in the country. And I took science writing, and it was was a natural fit for me because I was able to use more of my uh, good communication skills as well as uh, learning more of other sciences and bringing them into play and things I wrote about. Regarding this being called Science Writing, is this sort of a a course on how to write for scientific literature, or is this writing about science for the public? This was writing about science for the public. Okay, great. I helped write radio plays that were produced on programs in San Francisco uh, about, you know, scientific topics, and it it was writing about uh, science for newsletters and magazines, but not technical publications where you'd say, yes, I've got published and that would add to your, you know, creds or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Familiar with that feeling. So I'm, I'm still, I'm, I'm thinking about your, more of your combination of physics and, and sociology because my, my initial reaction, even I think today, that's almost confusing. You would think, wow, what, what do you see for yourself there? And I, that's really incredible that back when you started college, that you saw this sort of future together. How how do you think, if at all, that view has has changed towards someone who might go toward a, a very hard physical science 
to, I guess, a, a softer science, like in the social sciences? How, do you Would you encourage students to take that route as well? Absolutely. I would say if you have interest in in both areas or more than one area, that if you're in school to try and, you know, call some great classes that give you that kind of breadth. You know, uh, one of the one of my, I'd say, main thoughts here about what to look for for the future and what kind of work you're going to do, what kind of career you're going to have is you don't know what's coming. You know, we are living in a period of great uh, uh, technological change and great social change. What's your job going to be 10, 20, 30 years from now? Uh, unless it's a very narrowly defined career, you know, you really don't know. And so give yourself some breadth while you're in school to feed your interests and also to help build some skills around those areas that are your interests. Can you tell me more about your your exit from UCSC and, and how how that came to be? While I was in that science writing class, I started getting internship credits, extra credit, because I was was so interested in what I was doing there and a little less interested in some of my other classes. A fellow came into the classroom with a newsletter that he was publishing about alternative energy. There was a group in town called the Alternative Energy Co-op. And they said, we're looking for someone to write articles about solar energy. And I knew nothing about solar. But in the back of my mind, I was like, I kind of heard of it. and. Just the things he was saying, I go, well, this sounds interesting. I raised my hand, you know, which I uh, raised my hand often in class. And I said, hey, I'd like to do that. Gosh, to be a writer or maybe an editor, get published right away. That all sounded pretty cool to me. And so I started getting all this extra credit, writing for this class and getting internship credits, working for the Alternative Energy Co-op, volunteering, and immediately started getting uh, published. I was interviewing local solar energy people and... I was starting to build my own solar energy equipment, stuff that I was reading about in books. What sorts of equipment is this? Well, the first solar piece of hardware I built was what I called a solar barbecue, where I took a 55-gallon drum and I cut it in half and I lined it one side with aluminum foil to make a type of concentrator to aim at the meat in order to cook the meat. Wow, okay. Well, I learned very quickly that actually that shape of a, uh, of a 55-gallon drum is not the best shape for solar cooking. Uh, so I started learning. Why, right. why not? Is it not catching the light correctly? Or That's right. You need a parabolic curve, which is a very specifically designed uh, uh, type of shape that has a focal point. And so the direct radiation of the sun goes to that focal point. Something more um, like a satellite dish. Exactly. Okay. And so over the years, I built lots of different kinds of parabolic solar cookers. And I've taught young kids how to make solar hot dog cookers <laughs> and do the math for making a parabola with a cardboard box to do that kind of thing. But in regarding my exit then from school, eventually the, the, the instructor who was helping get me all these credits for these uh, independent studies or internships I was doing said, you know, at one point when I was in school, I decided to go out and learn a trade. He said, maybe that'd be a good thing for you. And I kind of took the hint and I dropped out of school and dropped out of UCSC and I taught myself plumbing and which was an, an important thing to be able to do with solar energy to do like solar water heating. And I left the campus and I pursued my, what became my career as a solar energy specialist.
For those who are just tuning in, you're listening to What to Be at KSQD 90.7 FM Santa Cruz. I'm Jacob Sheckman, and today we're here with Michael Aronson talking about his career as a solar energy specialist. Man, you've had so much, and now I want to ask, uh, I want to ask things about what you, what you do. Say, say you've been a solar energy specialist for uh, five years, and so this is still, in my understanding, very early in the days of solar energy. What do you, what do people think you do when you tell them at that time that you're a solar energy specialist? Almost every single person I talked to about solar at that time would say. Well, gosh, that's something for the future, isn't it? <laughs> and I'm going, well, actually, this is something we need to do right now. Of course, now we have this perspective on climate change and how important renewable energy is. And, um, and I'm kind of going, well, why aren't you folks woke now? Yeah. <laughs> you know, back in the, in the 70s, the 80s, even in the 90s. So what I was actually doing is, uh, first of all, I was helping educate people uh, about solar. I was offering solar energy classes. I was part of a, um, a nonprofit organizations that were uh, doing public events. I was also helping install solar hot water systems. I had moved to New Mexico and I was working for a leading solar company there that was doing some very innovative things where we built solar water heaters. Um, we did some things with solar electricity. And so I went up on the roof and installed solar electric panels and set up a pump uh, in the lobby of the business that helped demonstrate that. I was doing a lot of calculations, starting first with a slide rule. Anybody remember what the slide rule is that we'd use for doing uh, multiplication and division and logarithms? But then I moved to doing calculators, so doing energy calculations on buildings, figuring out how, how much heat loss the building would have and how much sunlight would come in through the windows in order to heat the space and how long that heat would stay in the space. So those are some examples of what I was doing then. Amazing. Amazing. And so what, what were some of the companies you worked for in New Mexico? I uh, worked for Zoneworks, which uh, was founded by a fellow named Steve Baer. And Steve had been featured in Life magazine in the 1960s with his very curious and interesting uh, geodesic dome or modified dome houses that he was building in New Mexico. And Steve pioneered uh, a passive solar heating system for homes. His house, which I stayed in uh, when I lived in New Mexico, was heated 90 to 100% by solar energy through the winter and kept cool in very hot desert climate through the summer through natural or passive means. And so he was certainly my uh, solar guru. I also worked at the Technology Application Center for NASA. And what I did there was uh, parlayed my writing skills, and they hired me as an editor of a bibli bibliography that they had about renewable energy. Uh, this would come out quarterly, and they would publish a brief abstract of everything that was coming out in the industries around renewable energy, wind, hydro, biofuels, solar. And my job was to read the abstract and find the keywords in the abstract, and then pass it on to someone who would index those keywords and type up the abstract. I read over 12,000 abstracts oh in a year and a half about what was going on in renewable energy. And possibly more than anything, this gave me an incredible foundation 
of knowledge and information and resources that served me, you know, for many years as a renewable energy activist. And so what what did you do with that next? That sounds like the the position with NASA and that year and a half. Did you were you did that help you? uh, I'd like to say lift off, so to speak, somewhere to your next position? Well, I felt I'd already reached kind of the pinnacle of my solar work by working for this very well-known solar person, uh, Steve Baer. But I also had gone back to school to get my teaching credentials. Uh-huh. So I graduated from University of New Mexico uh, in 1981 with teaching credentials for high school science and social studies. So I continued to hold on to my physics and my sociology interests. Um, and I, uh, and it was also kind of the, the fastest way through out of school at that point, taking all the credits I had. I wanted to teach. I loved teaching. I loved all the solar education I had done. But I also realized immediately I didn't like working with high school kids. Uh, yeah. You know, I didn't like being in the classroom that way. <laughs> I really liked teaching adults. And so I kind of shifted my career in the direction at that point to do more work in teaching adults than work directly with kids. And as you may find out or hear, I, I did work a lot more with kids over the years, but not where I was in the classroom every day, day right. after day. Sure. Yeah, that's. That's the the harder area, I think, when you're able to get out there as as Solar Mike and you have these uh, these hot dog solar energy cooking demos. That sounds like that'll really get the kids a lot more riled up. Yeah, yeah that's true. W- once you got your teaching credential, where you said you went off to to teach where? I left New Mexico and mm-hmm. I uh, went to Kansas City. Okay, and I worked for a nonprofit group there that was weatherizing houses and teaching people about renewable energy. And so I was their solar energy specialist for uh, uh, six months I was there. Yeah. But I was pretty restless, and I was kind of done with the Midwest. I'd grown up there, and I kept my California dream. Right. So I moved back to California, and I was, gosh, I was around 25 or 26 years old at this point, and I felt like I need to make a decision here in my life. Where am I going to settle down and what am I going to do? And so at that point, I said, I'm going to I'm going to settle in Santa Cruz. I loved it here. It's a beautiful place. I like surfing, you know, many things about Santa Cruz. And I opened up my own solar energy consulting business, doing energy efficiency design and calculations for residential and commercial buildings. And also then wherever I could fit in solar passive solar design or what we call active solar and continuing doing public education about solar energy on my own. Mm-hmm. Your your interactions with people as a sol- solar energy consultant, what is that like? Say someone reaches out to you to, uh, oh, man, I don't even know what they ask. Can you please measure the heat output of our building and tell us how we can reduce this or or... It, it increase it? I don't know. What what sorts of questions do people ask a solar energy consultant? And what are your personal interactions with them like? Well, in those days, um, people would bring me a set of building plans, and they were required to get uh, energy calculations done that showed that the buildings were relatively energy efficient. And what, what sorts of stuff does an energy calculation tell you? Well, that would uh, I would measure information about the windows and the walls and what the insulation values were and what the areas were, and it would tell me how much heat the building was going to require in the winter time, and then also it might say how much cooling would be required 
and computers were starting to be more commonplace. And so I, I, I had learned how to use computers, the microcomputers, and was running these kinds of calculations on microcomputers. And then I started teaching those classes at Cabrillo College on how to use microcomputers for energy efficient design. Wow, incredible. For those who are just tuning in, you're listening to What to Be at KSQD 90.7 FM Santa Cruz. I'm Jacob Sheckman, and today we're joined by Michael Aronson and learning about his career as a solar energy specialist. We would like to remind our listeners that the views and opinions expressed in this program do not necessarily represent or reflect those of Natural Bridges Media or Your Futures Our Business. Information provided during this program does not necessarily reflect this career in its entirety. So what, what do you think has, uh, you've been able to build all, all of these, these stories that you have about, especially in high school, and, and your, your excitement about getting that key for the lab. That's something that, that you can't really teach to someone, right? It, it, that's, that was innate in you. So what, what sorts of things did you learn along your career path that you thought were particularly helpful for you in, in moving forward? Let's say um, when you had, again, back at that, that job you had at NASA and you were reading all of these th- thousands of, of abstracts, why do you think you, you were good at that job? According to my coworkers and boss, I wasn't the, actually the best at okay. that job. <laughs> it required a lot of detailed work to go back and see that everything was typed correctly and keyworded correctly. But the part that I was good at was really reading quickly and able to pull out the key information. And so that was that was one of the skills that I had. And it's still today when I read, I read to satisfy myself and not to gratify the writer that I'm going to appreciate every word and sentence and phrase. I'm looking to get, I'd say quickly, as much of the information as I can out of that uh, uh, publication. I'm reading a lot of biographies right now, uh, mostly of science people, because I'm still very interested in science, doing that same kind of thing. Reading fast, grabbing the keywords, and and keeping it moving. Yeah. Can you talk about the, uh, the importance of reading in in science that uh, that that's played for you i i know that's a very a very broad question but uh that was something that i had to learn along the way is that to you have to keep your mind active right you have to keep things going so i mean just can you develop more on the on the importance that reading played a role in you being able to learn the science that you had okay thank you for asking that um i i was certainly challenged to read things that did not interest me and so, some of the social theory that i had to read in some classes and some of the english literature those things didn't grab me and so i was not a fast reader of those things i had to really kind of apply myself and nowadays with so much uh, uh information and media online and um, and on the screen. I'm not really a screen-oriented person. kind of had that phase in my life. And I feel like I'm done with that. But the ability to, you know, I like uh, scanning book titles at the library, scanning magazine titles. And if I see something that grabs my interest, even if I didn't know I had that interest, then I'll pull that book off the shelf. I typically take home six to 10 books every time I go to the library. I might partially read one or two of them. And the rest, and then they all go back. I'm just like skimming to find some things that catch my interest. Mm-hmm. Do you have any suggestions for any books that our listeners might want to read to learn more about um, solar energy? 
great thing about uh, our libraries here in this area, and I'd say many libraries I've visited, is that um, over the years, there's this really great collection of the old school solar energy books that are still on the library shelves. And I don't care as much for what's coming out these days. I'm, I like the basic science and the information to give the breadth around solar and renewable energy that you could get from the old days. And I'd, I'd recommend just uh, going back and trying to find some of those books that came out in the 70s and the 80s. Most of the things that come out today that I take a look at are, uh, they're more like pop information about solar or they're about just about solar electricity, which is a great way to make electricity is with solar energy, but um, I'm, I'm less interested in, in what those books have to offer. It sounds like just in general, you're, you're, in terms of solar energy, you are less interested in solar electricity. That's true. Now, I did make a decent living selling solar electric systems and teaching people about solar electricity mm -hmm. in the 90s and the 2000s and afterward. So I'm not going to discount that. Sure. But my passion is still how hot can I get my hot tub with the solar hot water panel I have on the roof? That hot tub sometimes gets over 115 degrees. Can I cook in the sun? I've got four different kinds of solar cookers at home. These are not things that use electricity. They use the direct beams and power of the sun. I take delight in the morning because at 1030, the, uh, the sun is away from the trees. It's filling the house with warmth and I can turn the heat off because now the house is going to be solar heated during the day. So these are all other areas that still excite me about the direct use of the sun's energy. What's your favorite thing to cook with the sun? My favorite thing to bake with the sun. Oh, my gosh. There's so many different things I cook. You know, I, I love baking potatoes. I love baking squash. Uh -huh. um, uh, I like making chicken. I've even uh, done a roast turkey for Thanksgiving. Oh now, keep in mind, there's enough sun in, uh, uh, you know, late November to cook in a cardboard box with aluminum foil reflectors. Oh, my uh, gosh. Yes, there is. So those are those are some examples. And anything that you know, any vegetables that you can steam and you can steam in the solar cooker to make cooked vegetables. It just takes a little bit longer sure. than if you're doing it in the house on the stove or oven. That's that's incredible. I I can't I I never knew about any of this. I, I just to cook a whole turkey. <laughs> I, what I really love about what we've been able to talk about and talking about your career history is that you know you said you're you're not a long term guy. You've had a, a this forty year work in solar energy, but several different careers along the way. And I know I was really stressed about picking the right major for me or figuring out where I was going to go to school and that I had to go to grad school right away. And in the past year or so, I've started to realize that those were stressors that didn't need to exist. And it seems like they didn't for you. And so I don't, do, you have, do you have any advice for, for kids who are facing that kind of stress right now? I talk with uh, I talk with a lot of young people, kind of about what they're going to do, what what kind of career they could go into, and not just about renewable energy. And some of the things I have to say these days are counterpoint to the heavy-handed way we try and push kids forward through school. So, first of all, I believe that most people have a place of knowing inside themselves for what they want. But it may not be a statement that comes out and says, okay, well, this is what I want to do. 
But I believe in helping nurture to find that voice or maybe find that statement for people to be, okay, well, this is what I want to do. It's not what everybody's telling me. It's not the list of courses I have to choose from. And also, I think that cycles around in your life. It certainly has for me every five, seven years. I'm kind of like, well, what am I going to do next? And then to listen to that voice, which can take some time to come forward. I also believe in serendipity. I believe in the synchronicity that happens in this world around us. When you start, I was, I was struggling for a long time with all this solar energy education I was doing. Didn't really see it moving forward in the world. And I kept telling myself, I need something tangible. I wish I had a product to sell. I would feel differently if I had a product to sell instead of kind of all this education work I was doing. I had a meeting with someone who had a solar energy business in the late 90s, and we're talking about solar education. And she says, why don't you come and work for me and sell solar? And I had never really sold solar, much solar equipment in my life before. And it was like, I woke up right then. I go, wow, you're like one of the top people in the Bay Area doing this. And you're asking me to come and sell for you. And I've been like looking for something something tangible because that was what I was hearing myself saying tangible I could sell solar electric systems that's great Michael all right thank you very much Jacob I've enjoyed talking with you and thank you to all of our KSQD listeners for tuning in to today's career story I'm Jacob Sheckman and this is what to be with today's guest Michael Aronson talking about his career as a solar energy specialist if you have any questions or would like to share your career story with us send us an email at whattoberadio at gmail.com. If you enjoyed our show, please join us again at 90.7 FM K-Squid Santa Cruz at 7 p.m. on Sundays or stream online at ksqd.org. Thank you for listening. <laughs>